and uh, knocked on the door. I'm so sorry. We'll make it up to you somehow. Don't leave the coalition. Um, of course, the Shah's leadership all said that how dare they do this, and it annihilated and wiped out the votes of 400,000 uh, people. Can you imagine the Shah's ultra-religious ultra, ultra uh, faction? They're all Haredi. And uh, they voted knowingly to, uh, to put a man who has been twice convicted, served prison time, is a uh, a con uh, uh, and a thief, and they've elevated him to the head of their party, and they think they're being righteous, and the court is is mm-hmm. taking advantage of their poor little votes. Uh, and of course, they cite the Torah, and uh, I guess they never read uh, Shamuel, who uh, where Yahweh says, "Here's the thirteen reasons that, that you should not be uh, political," uh, in Polit- addition to all the reasons right. that you should not. Be religious. Yeah. The other thing is that it's been now um, ten years that I have told all who will listen that America is responsible for and will be responsible uh, for the war in Ukraine, and that uh, the handwriting was on the wall ten years ago that this was what we were trying to achieve, uh, and the media and the politicians have done their utmost to try to blame Putin for the war that America has caused. And, and what I have said is that, uh, is that this war is going to cause two things which are devastating uh, to America and to the world. The first of those, that will end in a nuclear uh, conflagration because you cannot give hundreds of millions of dollars of advanced weapons to a proxy like the Ukraine to kill Russians who has the second, have the second largest military on the planet and the largest arsenal of nuclear weapons. You can't continue to do that without the, uh, the Russians eventually resorting to nuclear weapons and deploying them in the United States. It is a certainty. It's going to happen. And we will have brought it on ourselves. And I've been saying this now for 10 years. The second thing is I've said that, the, that backing the Ukraine financially is a disaster. It's, it's the most unethical government on the planet, and they are uh, they are known parasites. They do not pay back international loans, and to take on the burden of the Ukraine and place that squarely on the American taxpayer will be devastating to the American economy. Uh, at the time, of course, I had no idea that we'd also impose sanctions that would be devastating and force nations around the world to form alternatives to uh, to America sanctioning them because uh, we decide we don't like something and that alternative is called BRIC. Uh, and the alternative is going to create uh, an alternative to America dollar being the foreign reserve currency. And when that happens, our economy uh, will crater. It'll be a deeper and, uh, and more permanent recession than what uh, the nation experienced in 1929 and through the 1930s. Those both are inevitable. And the length of time that we will endure between both is uh, certainly less than 10 years and could be less than five years. That's the Mm. situation we put ourselves in. And, and, uh, And unfortunately, all the while, the country we care about the most, Israel, I is uh, self-annihilating itself. Um, yeah. The those who oppose For the sure. judicial reform 
uh, are about half the country. Those who are supporting it are about half the country. It is split right and left. It is split religious and secular. And Israel is in a tough spot because they can't claim a constitution that they can rely upon because there is no constitution uh, in Israel. Uh, really, all they have is a letter of agreement between the rabbis and the secular founders of Israel to allocate certain levels of control to each group. And that's really all they have. Uh, and it is a, uh, it's a mess. And with the Netanyahu government, um, the right-wing crazies, uh, the religious crazies, are gaining more and more power. Um, and it's just a fundamental disaster for the country. Yeah. All right, I'd like to return to uh, where we were uh, uh, last week. We had shared Hosha 8 and 9 uh, by way of recap. The reason we're covering uh, Hosha is because the prophet spoke more clearly about the separation between Yisrael and Yahudah and ultimately the separation of God's people from Yahweh. Um, there is no book that is similarly dedicated from start to finish to this singular subject. And God's issue with Israel is singular, religion. Religion is what had separated the people from God. Uh, it is still what separates the people of Israel from Yahweh. And the entire book is based on that single premise. Because you are religious, I will have nothing to do with you. We're going to go through an enormously long timeout, and in this case, the timeout was 2,700 years. Hosea 4, 8, and 4, 9 reads as follows. They feed upon, they are fed and nourished by, they prey upon the wrongdoing and sin offerings of my people. A chata is the iniquity and, uh, and appropriations and the errant ways of misguided beliefs. So he is accusing Israel, Israel, Israelites, of literally devouring religious wrongdoing. These souls lift up and accept, promote and honor their perversity and their depravity their wicked ways. And so likewise, it will be the same for the people as it will be for the priest. This, this um, accountability, if you will, this condemnation is being leveled strictly at religious behavior and religious beliefs. And God is saying, it doesn't matter if you're the rabbi or the constituent Paying for the rabbi. It doesn't matter if you've written the Talmud or you're reading the Talmud. Doesn't matter if you're the one that decides what's kosher or you're eating kosher. Doesn't matter if you're the fool that's tied up in knots with a thousand things you can't do on the Shabbat or you were the idiot making those rules. 
if you are religious as a Jew, God will have nothing to do with you. He views you as perverse, depraved, wrong. And God's not going to grade on the curve here. You can't be a little bit re- religious and form a relationship with Yahweh. You can't be a Herodim or even reformed Jew from a religious point of view and engage in the covenant. Judaism is the single most restrictive institution relative to God's people and their relationship with Yahweh. So make no mistake, Yahweh is condemning religion. And and Israel and among Jews, there's only one religion, Judaism. That does not mean that he is endorsing Christianity. He's most certainly not. He, he thinks Christianity is about the dumbest thing that was ever invented. He's certainly not endorsing Islam. That's religion for absolute it, idiots. Mm-hmm. You know, Allah is clearly modeled after Satan. But Paul was uh, you know, amongst the worst human beings that ever lived, maybe the single worst human being that ever lived, and he either wrote or influenced almost all of the Christian New Testament. Uh, the reason yeah. God speaks so much about Judaism is that while Christianity has harassed his people and Islam has terrorized his people, no institution has been as overtly demeaning and degrading of Jews than Judaism. Yep. You know, we uh, we had a, uh, a person a couple of weeks ago that uh, was a Jewish and stumbled into these uh, sites, maybe part of the social media outreach. Uh, who knows? And the first question was, is the writer Jewish? And Yahweh has gone out of his way to say that the only witness to my people during the last days and as we approach the last days will not be Jewish. He is going to be a goyim. It's time for some humble pie. There was not a single Jew open and willing to listen to Yahweh. So God decided, I'm going to work through the only person I've got available to work through, and that person is a goy. But I would tell the, uh, the Jew who isn't willing to listen to a goy, what has the last 2,700 years done for you? You've told each other that you're righteous. You've told each other that you're better than the rest of the world. You've told each other that your religion is spectacular, the, the mother of all religions. And what has it done for you? Can you give me a single highlight in 2,700 years? I know I sure can't. Mm. I mean, look what happened with the Assyrians and then the Babylonians. Look what happened with the Greeks and then with the Romans. Look what happened with the Roman Catholic Church and then the Muslims. Look what happened with Europe and particularly the Nazis, but all of Europe. Yeah. And now with the progressives. You've managed 
to turn the entire world against you. And that would be okay if you were with Yahweh. But you have not only turned the whole world against you, you have alienated yourself from Yahweh in the process. Don't know his name, don't use his name, are clueless to what he is offering and expecting in return. So what positive can you tell me about the 2,700 years of listening to Jews tell Jews you're wonderful? That is a success story. Because really all you've done is through the rabbis and rabbinical Judaism, you've alienated the world while turning Yahweh against you. And that's why we're here. Time to stop that. It hasn't worked. What's the definition of insanity? Continuing to do the same thing and expecting a different result. (coughs) Anti-Semitism is back on the rise. It's going to get much worse. Israel itself is disintegrating. Embroiled in the precursor to a civil war. You have the, the least democratic of all governments followed by the most crazed of all governments and back to back you have the majority now of Jews in America that don't want anything to do with Israel yeah that's true and the fastest rise of conspiracy theories against Jews probably in the history of humanity Mm-hmm. don't continue to make the same mistakes. There was a glorious moment in time. Uh, it wasn't for uh, Israel, because Israel was gone, but it was for Judea. Mm-hmm. One yeah, glorious China. moment in time. You had one. When was it? Sure as heck wasn't the Exodus. Yeah. It's mighty miracles, Yahweh walking with his people, protecting his people, but you could barely even get across the Red Sea before you were making idols. (laughs) I mean, you were nothing but belly aching and complaining the entire way. You did everything you could to alienate yourselves from Yahweh. So it sure is not the Exodus. And, well, there was a marvelous moment with Dodd. There's really not a lot that is known about average Israelites in Yehudim during that period, other than there was a lot of infighting. Mm -hmm. Dodd was spectacular. Dodd wrote the most beautiful songs in the Psalms. He wrote the most beautiful word pictures in the Proverbs. He demonstrated what it's like to be not only the shepherd of God's people, not only the advisor and leader of God's people, not only the anointed Messiah of God's people and the Son of God, but what it's like to live in the covenant. The man fought 50, 60 battles, 
He won them all. You know, that was a glorious moment in time, at least for that individual, even though he had his he even had his own family turn against him. Mm-hmm. So to find a really just glorious moment in time when we also know that the people of Yauda, Yaudem, Jews, participated in a marvelous revival then during the reign of Hezekiah. And it wasn't even during the whole tenure. He started off bad, he ended bad. But he had a mm-hmm. period of time where someone in his inner circle stumbled upon a copy of the Torah, brought it to him, and he read it. And he says, oh my God, we have 185,000 Assyrians that are coming down to destroy us. They've already destroyed the northern kingdom. They've controlled everything within 500 miles of where we are, maybe 1,000. They even came to conquer. You know, the Babylonians couldn't conquer Egypt, but they sure as heck did. And they've got 185,000 armed troops for one prize, us, Jerusalem. There is a 0% chance that with human means, we can resolve that. None. And after reading the Torah, this, uh, Hezekiah realized the eh, answer is not coming up with an army. It's not the thickness of the walls. It's, it's not some strategy. It's certainly not paying tribute. It's not finding a new ally. It's getting rid of all of the religious artifacts, everyone, every trace of religion, clean house. And then start observing the Torah, and particularly Chagmatza. Understand what Chagmatza represents. And it was in the appreciation and the celebration of Chagmatza that Yauda was saved. It wasn't because they figured out the right date, because they didn't even celebrate it on the right date. It wasn't because they had plated the perfect meal. It wasn't because the priests, the Cohen, were on their job and really knew what to do because they were lost in space. That's why they were late and celebrated it, is that they weren't, they weren't trained and equipped to be able to uh, serve the people by explaining what these things mean. Because they actually understood the purpose. And they understood that the first step towards capitalizing on a relationship with Yahweh is foregoing your religion. That was the glorious moment. The 185,000 Assyrians all died the next day. And it was so wonderful celebrating Chagmasa, they said, let's do it again. And rather than that being the national symbol of Israel, it's the God-forsaken nine-candle menorah uh, about some stupid light that is by myth said to have burned longer than somebody anticipated while they were fighting a civil war (laughs) against themselves and the Greeks. Uh, That's true. What a waste. What a joke. (laughs) It's time to stop doing the same thing and 
creating the same result. Stop listening to the rabbis. Stop trusting in your politicians. Stop paying attention to Jewish law and the godforsaken Babylonian Talmud. Stop pretending that the Talmud and the Torah are the same. For real, yeah. Stop being religious. Stop pretending that it's G-D. Yahweh has a name, and if you don't know it, you don't know him. Somebody write me and says, you know, somebody pronounced it this way and somebody pronounced it that way. I understand you pronounced it, yeah, well, why? You have an article on it. Oh, yeah, about 26 volumes on it. Not hard to figure out. Not hard to explain. Hey, you say Torah, don't you? Where do you think you get the O sound in Torah? Where do you think you get the ah sound in Torah? Is it not a wa and a hey? When you greet yeah. one another, do you not say shalom? Where do you get the O sound in shalom? Is yeah. there any question as to how to pronounce Yisrael? Was yeah. that the Y? And so you now know how to pronounce the hey and the wa, and of course the final hey. How tough can it be? <laughs> I mean, do you have to be a complete nincompoop to pretend like you can't pronounce Yahweh? And yet you can pronounce Torah and Shalom and Elohim. Come on. It's not that difficult. You know that uh, for the the last month, uh, I have, uh, probably now two months, that I, because I'm past the 600th page of uh, the book on Ezekiel, some of it's actually posted on the Yada Yada dot com uh, site y a d a means to know yah is the familiar form of yahweh's name it's either yada dot com or yada dot com takes you to the same place uh the uh, there's a book on the uh, complete denunciation of ezekiel and rabbis and imams and christian priests have placed that book right in between legitimate prophets as if it was the word of their G-D. Yeah. And the the source of it is demonic. The source of it is sadistic. The source of it got every single statement wrong. Everyone. It's not that he doesn't pass Yahweh's Dabarim 18 test of one mistake and you're done. You got them all wrong. You can't get them all wrong by chance. Summon your no- his nose at you saying, I'm going to prove to God just how worthless you are. The book is a complete and utter fraud. Inspired either by Satan or someone possessed by him. And it is blatantly obvious. It really is. And so why, do, why is it sitting there in the midst of the prophets? Why is it among the most cited books in the Quran with the Magog War? Why is Revelation, why does it cite Ezekiel more than any other book, just proving that it's an absolute waste? 
It's like 38 the way, points of reference. Of the waste, that is Revelation, uh, Revelation. I think there's 38 uh, citations of Ezekiel and Revelation, and Ezekiel is a complete mm-hmm. fraud. So that makes Revelation a complete fraud. I have said mm-hmm. uh, uh, probably two or three times over the past 22 years uh, that um, Hasatan brought a third of the, uh, the Malak uh, from uh, Shamaim down with him. Uh, there is actually no evidence for that. None. Uh, it's uh, from Revelation 2. Revelation is, uh, is a fraudulent book. So there is no basis, and, and we really have to be ever more careful that we don't allow anything that we see in Revelation to taint our, our view of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot in Revelation that's true because Revelation is an amalgamation of prophets that are actually truthful. A, there is a fair amount of, uh, of information that's accurate, but unfortunately, you know, Daniel was not a, uh, a legitimate prophet, and Ezekiel is an absolute, complete, utter fraud. And so we have to be really careful. Yeah. Um, but uh, there are advantages of, uh, of doing things like this because Ezekiel's had such a horrible effect on Jewish women and Jews in general. It's mm-hmm. demonized Jews and dehumanized Jews, which is why Christians and Muslims love it so. And to a large degree, why uh, rabbis love it, and they've based the Zohar off of it. Um, right. Proves my point yeah. that the single greatest threat to Jews is Judaism. And to be a Jew and to endorse Ezekiel is insane. Uh, you know, Agreed. The 30th chapter, uh, uh, the Lord of Babel uh, lists 25 different ways to kill a Jew. 25 ways to kill a Jew. And you're going to incorporate that into your your uh, holy book to say that you're you're just not discerning. And these things are not difficult. There's nothing difficult. Uh, like I wrote the individual that says you can print. You know, this is how you pronounce Yahweh's name. Do you have an article on? I said, you know, read an introduction to God. Start with the first volume. But understand, this is not hard. There's nothing here that is difficult. It's very easy to know Yahweh. So they feed upon the wrongdoing and sin offering of my people. These souls lift up and accept, promote and honor their perversity and wrongdoing, even their depravity. And, and that's the problem. Uh, you know, that the Babylonian Talmud um, corrupts, perverts Yahweh's message in the Torah. Mm-hmm. And so likewise, it will be the same for the people as it will be for the minister, the priest. Now, of course, there aren't any priests in Israel anymore because during the Maccabean period, uh, the group that emerged and now are known as rabbis uh, stole their power. Um, Men wanted, coveted power, and they didn't like the idea that Yahweh had determined by birth who was going to be a uh, a priest. And Yahweh made it, sure that, okay, if you're assigned to be a, a Loi, you're born into the, uh, uh, the Loi, the Levites, and therefore you have the responsibility 
of serving my people as a priest and explaining the uh, the intent of the seven Moed Mikre to them so that they understand them, you're not gaining power and wealth by doing so. You're not going to own land, for example. He precluded them from accumulating wealth, and what are they, the highest paid clerics in the world? Far and away, mm-hmm. rabbis. And so the elitist in, in Judea under the, uh, the Greeks had a, revelation, a revolution, and it wasn't just to, to preclude the incorporation of, uh, of Greek thought into the Jewish religion. It was so that a different group of people could choose to be empowered and not follow Yahweh. And, of course, it is pretty laughable because what do they call the building that uh, religious Jews go into on the Shabbat? A synagogue. A synagogue. Why don't you look up synagogue and see if you can find a Hebrew root? No. Yeah, then uh, look it up in Greek Greek, and see what it says in Greek. I didn't think so. <laughs> yeah. And so likewise, it will be the same for the people as it will be for the priest. I will hold them accountable for their ways. I will repay them, bringing back upon them the foolish, beguiling, and cruel things that they have done. This is a, um, a slap in the face with some cold water. God is going to hold people accountable by giving them what they have done. If you have been religious, you will spend your eternity, particularly if you promoted religion, with the religious. That place is called Sheol, also known as hell. Don't do it. If you've been stupid enough to promote religious myths, then you will be convicted of them. And think of the stupidity of it. The, the most popular form of Judaism in Israel, overwhelmingly, and the only form that is accepted now, is that of the Herodim. And yet, that religion wasn't created until the 18th century. It wasn't created in Israel, it was created in Ukraine. Unbelievably stupid. Stunningly restrictive. Giving no rights to women. It is so restrictive that the Herodim, ultra-Orthodox Jews, don't even have access to a program like this. They can't search the net. They can't find the truth. They are literally kept in the dark on purpose so that the rabbis can continue to control and please them. They played for fools, and they play their part exceedingly well. So this is God's quid pro quo, if you will. The message is a killer. Because Jews and Gentiles alike have disassociated themselves from Yahweh, either by ignoring him or replacing him with a God conceived by men, they have been spurned by Yahweh. They are crippled spiritually. Oblivious, they have been forgotten have been rejected. This is divine justice. And believers have no one to blame but themselves. 
The truth is available, but most choose to ignore it. Yahweh stood at the door and called us home. But so few have paid attention, particularly Jews, that Yahweh had no choice but to work with the Goyim. And normally that would be exceedingly painful for God to, to say, you know, he continues to say, particularly to the prophet Yahshua, yeah, I, you know, I looked for thousands of years since the last prophet, uh, Malachi, to find a single Jew with whom I could relate, who could serve as a prophet by listening to me and then reporting what I had to say, and there was none. And while that is enormously frustrating, I actually don't think that God was finally frustrated by having to choose a Goyim. I think that after 2,500 years, he said, enough is enough. If I've got a Goyim that's willing to listen to me, is willing to devote his life to learning from me and sharing what I have to say, that's what my people need most of all. Yes. And that's where we are. And that's why it's time for you to listen. Divine justice is why we're in this position. Most people have not even bothered to ask our benefactor his name. When was the last time you heard Yahweh's name proclaimed in Israel? In Israel? When was the last time you heard it proclaimed anywhere? I mean, the only people that, that I know it outside of the covenant family are the nincompoops that's, that uh, forlorn uh, <laughs> my translations and transliterations and, uh, and try to make a, a buck by peddling uh, the nonsense of the black Hebrew uh, Israelite. Yeah. Roots movie. Yeah. Which is a yeah, complete and utter fringe cults. Yeah, complete and utter fraud. Yeah. But. They dance around. And you were doing it before they were. <laughs> oh, way before they were. Yeah. Uh, it's just that they've, they've got no intellect, they've got no game, uh, and people are stunningly easy to fool. So they go off on their yeah. little marches, and, uh, and they claim that they have replaced the, uh, the Jews. You know, what's so unbelievably stupid about it is you read something like this in Hosha, why in the world would you want to claim to be Israel? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Are you stupid? <laughs> Be wrong. <laughs> Did you miss the last line? Yeah. Yeah. What part of this are you not able to perceive? <laughs> yes. Uh, did you pay any attention to where uh, Abraham and Sarah came from? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it not Ur? Mm-hmm. Was it Ur in the but middle of the Tigris in your? At the uh, mouth of the Tigris and Euphrates, ancient yes, Sumer sir. became yes. Babylon, became Persia. Mm-hmm. That's their bloodline. Have you ever seen uh, a, a colored portrait of the Egyptians? Of uh, uh, and seen the colors? They're Caucasians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm here to tell you, skin color doesn't mean diddly squat to me. Doesn't mean a tinker's damn to Yahweh. Does not care. I don't care. He doesn't care. 
there is a ethnicity, the descendants of Abraham, Yishak, and Jacob, that Yahweh chose to reveal himself through to all humankind. And those are his people. That's never going to change. And unless you can do a, a DNA test and determine that you are a descendant of Abraham, Yishak, and Jacob, then you are not Yisrael. Now, that's okay, because there's a provision for Goyim to become part of Yisrael. There's a provision for Goyim to become part of the covenant. Exactly. The adopted into Yahweh's family. Works for me. But you cannot be anti-Israel and be adopted into God's family. And let's be clear. While Pesach, Matzah, and Bakurim, Shabuah and Teruah are for Yehudim and Goyim alike. Fact is, that's his, it's the same. Whether you are a Yehudim or a, uh, a Goyim on Pesach. Same rules apply, same opportunity apply. Same thing is true with Matzah. And Bakurim is literally being adopted into God's family as a result of being perfected on Matzah, being, having the religious fungus removed from you. And on Pesach, you become immortal. Uh, so that on Shabuah, Yahweh can enrich us and empower us and enlighten us, liberate us. And on Teruah, which is when this program began 22 years ago, and the first of these books began to be written 22 years ago on Teruah, uh, not even understood by religious Jews. They don't even have a clue what Teruah is. But if you look at Yahweh's testimony, Teruah is what you have misnamed Rosh Hashanah. And it is a time to do what we are doing. Mm-hmm. To draw your attention for joy. Yeah. to Yahweh's testimony to tell you it's time to stop being religious. Stop making the same mistake. Come to know Yahweh. But as we approach Yom Kippur, particularly its fulfillment in year 6,000 Yah, which will be October 2nd, 622 p.m., sundown, in Jerusalem, in the year 2033. Just a little over 10 years from now. Yom Kippurim is only, exclusively, about Yisrael and Yehuda. It is a time of reconciliation with God's people. The Masayak, the Messiah, David, is returning, but he's going to be wearing the headband of the high priest. And he is going to anoint the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant, the Kippurah, on Kippurah, in direct affirmation of this day, to reconcile the relationship between Yahweh and his people. And that date is just over 10 years away. And so our entire mission these past 22 years has been to draw your attention to this day. It is your day. It is Yahweh's day. It is the day of reconciliation, the day 
of homecoming, of returning back to the fold. And our role as uh, Goyam is simply to direct your attention to Yahweh's invitation. We want you to be part of his family. We want Yahweh to be pleased with the attendance on this day. And, of course, it all leads to the beginning. That's what Sukkah is all about. Sukkah is a return to Eden, to being back in the garden, to celebrating a perfect union with Yahweh, without religion, without politics, without hierarchy. And we'll do that for a thousand years prior to having the opportunity to create a new universe. That is our calling. That is your calling. And we want you to accept Yahweh, understand what he is offering and expecting in return. Now, rabbis have their alternative. They've come to promote countless religious rites and rituals um, that God views as perverse. They advance their arguments over Yahweh's instructions. And if that was all there was to it, by doing away with the rabbis, Yahweh would be able to resolve Yisrael's problems. However, as for the priest, so with the people. By accepting the rabbinic lies, by defending and financing this attack on God's word, everyone is culpable. If you're eating kosher as it relates to rabbinic instructions, you're estranged from God. If you're observing a Shabbat based on halakha, Jewish law, you're estranged from God. If you're wearing that stupid little morning suit and got the curly cues, the black hat, you're a woman and you're shaving your head to fit in ritualistically with the religious, you're estranged from God. Of course, if you're a Christian or Muslim, you are really, really estranged from God. You have to first stop being religious. The reason Yahweh reached out to Abraham and Sarah wasn't because they were particularly smart people, because they weren't. Sarah may have been, but Abraham was dumb as a stone. It wasn't because they were particularly moral. Sarah probably was, but Abraham was a shyster. Abraham was really a crappy individual. Yeah, I know, I know. He was. It just, I mean, it's just all there is to it. Funny hearing a man it. who would twice sell his uh, his wife into prostitution yeah, for no the uh, the purpose of uh, financial gain is a scumbag. I'm yeah. just sorry. He is. Uh, Yahweh managed to overlook it and um, uh, and embraced Sarah. In fact, Sarah is so embraced in the covenant. Israel is named after Sarah. Yish, individual. Sarah, El. So, God came to adore Sarah. As do I. As does anyone who knows that story. But the reason God chose them, maybe because Abraham chose wisely and his wife, you know, that's a pretty, <laughs> there good, you go. pretty good thing there. But, and maybe, you know, you have a really, really liked uh, Sarah and said, you know, well, this guy's salvageable because of his wife. That's also possible. But the only reason that they were chosen, 
is because they had walked away from or of the Chaldeans from Babylon. At a time where people were flocking to the birthplace of religion, institutionalized religion and its integration into politics, they walked away. What made Moshe the one person on the entire planet that Yahweh was so desirous of working with that he begged him to do this with him? God begged Moshe. Why? He was the only person who had actually walked away from Egypt. Who knew it, was repulsed by it, and left it. When Yahweh chose amongst Yesi's sons, they were all there. All integrated in the life of the family, except one. He was down there tending sheep in Bethlehem. That's the one God chose. Are you witnessing a pattern here? Now, realize that God sees rabbis as advancing their arguments over his instructions. And if and it's so much worse than that because they have convinced generation upon generation to trust them over God. You know, when you read through the Babylonian Talmud, every rabbi that ever lived seems to get an honorable mention. Their name is blazoned with a, a whole pedigree. But Yahweh's name is never mentioned. Their names are irrelevant. His is meaningful. Yahweh is going to and must hold all of Israel accountable. He is going to judge them individually and collectively, and he will be hard-pressed to find an acceptable soul. Look how far we are away from it, as politicized and religious as Israel is becoming. And it's now divided right down that fault line with the secular on one side who have no interest in Yahweh and the religious on the other who have completely corrupted his testimony. My friends, without recompense, there can be no justice. Without retribution, life is unfair. Even if a majority would like God to forgive and forget, it is not in his character to be immoral. I had a very rough morning this morning. Uh, one of the young men that my wife and I have all but adopted, there's three of them that have worked with us here for a, uh, a long while that we have uh, we treat like sons. And uh, one of these young men, came in and said that his stepdaughter had been raped by her biological father. And to see the pain on his face and to talk to him about what he should do, how he should respond, how we would respond, but not necessarily how he should respond. 
we really do some awful things to one another and the hurt. Yeah. And then to counsel him as to how to have his daughter overcome this, rise above this, make turn this horrible act into the greatest triumph of her life. And that's part of growing up with scars. My father was abusive. I grew up with scars. I had to overcome a hellish childhood. And by doing that, I got grit, some character, a little backbone. And when I was finally able to prevail over him and and made living a, a life worthwhile as my form of retribution, then I can attribute a significant amount of my success in life, the very fact that I was usable to Yahweh, having turned a horrible situation into something that defined my character. And we can all do that. We should never allow the horrible behavior of a misguided soul, even if they're our parent, because we didn't choose them, to define us. You know, I made a horrible mistake uh, in my life, and I chose to marry the wrong woman. I was married for 34 years to someone with uh, uh, with a horrible psychological uh, psychosis, really. Um, and did everything she could to make my life miserable. And I look back on it now, and I say, you know, well, I stayed there too long. Having endured it, having literally won my freedom away from it, having stayed there long enough to protect my sons through it until they were independent, and then uh, having left it and, and now have the joy that I have in a real, genuinely loving, intellectually stimulating relationship, I appreciate it all the more. So if you are a if you have been a religious or political Jew and you're considering freeing yourself from those things so that you can come to know Yahweh, I'm here to tell you that that by leaving them you will grow stronger. You will develop backbone and character and a depth of personality that you could never have imagined when you're part of the cult. These are things to look forward to. Allow the worst things in your life to refine who you can be. And this is what Yahweh wants of us to overcome. You look at at all the people who ever lived and the people that Yahweh was closest to. And, of course, the the two that come to mind are Moshe and Dod. Mm-hmm. Both of them had very, very traumatic things happen to them in life. Both of them were tough as nails. Both of them were courageous. Both of them were uncompromising. And see what God finds attractive. Both of them had to overcome. Neither of them was perfect. The victims 
of the worst of human behavior would be the those who endured the Inquisition and the Holocaust. And when we speak of retribution, the life experience could not be fair. God could not be just unless it is assured that their tormentors are held accountable. Vespasian and Hadrian must suffer for the harm they inflicted on God's people. And they're just two among many. I mean, no one ultimately perpetrated a more sinister anti-Semitic doctrine than Paul. Second to him would be Muhammad. They're going to be judged. They will be held accountable. They will suffer a horrible penalty, a deserved penalty. And it must be so for all of the souls who were tormented because of what they did. Everyone who was part of the hierarchy and execution of the Roman Catholic Church as it for the better part of 2,000 years harassed and tormented Jews will be held accountable. And to the degree that it's possible for covenant members to stand up for Jews and demonstrate this, so much the better. And well, that is in death for rabbis and life. It isn't much better. This is what Hosha 10 and 11 have to say. They will eat, but they will never be satisfied. They will act like prostitutes without ever being productive. Because they have elected to neglect observing Yahweh. Engaging in religious infidelity, immorality, and unfaithfulness, Zanuth, coupled with intoxication of even barely fermented wine, they're seized and taken away, and they no longer exercise good judgment. God's people are fed rubbish. You can eat rubbish until your eyeballs pop out of your head and you will never be satisfied. You know, try uh, eating a uh, potato chip that's salted or a peanut that is salted or uh, an M&M for crying out loud and see how many it takes before you're satisfied. The same thing as feeding people religious lives. They never find satisfaction. They pretend, because in their community, if they don't pretend to be super religious, then they're ostracized. But it's all a fake, a fraud. It's like the Herodim in Jerusalem that rioted through rocks at the buses, had their children block cars in the street, uh, tried to torch a, uh, a cell phone store, because in Jerusalem they were selling a normal smartphone, giving people access to the internet and to knowledge and these numbskulls protested that tried to burn it down engaging in religious infidelity and morality coupled with intoxication a barely fermented wine seizes and takes away good judgment and that's the problem 
If you can't mm-hmm. exercise good judgment, you can't be moral. You can't be rational. You can't be fair. You can't be just. And it's for darn sure you can't know Yahweh. We think our way to Yahweh. We do not believe our way to him. It is through knowledge and understanding that we approach the Almighty. It's not through religious rituals. Faith without knowing, sex without love, and observing without purpose are unfulfilling. Prostitutes are continually engaged in intercourse, and yet they have nothing to show for it. You know, prostitutes are paid for sex, and they're all poor. (laughs) That's true. Over the past 20 years, I found an axiom which has rung true without exception. The overtly religious and political are incapable of exercising good judgment. No amount of evidence is sufficient. No rational argument is ever compelling. Even if both come from the Almighty himself, they cannot process it. While intoxication slows judgment, religion completely debilitates it. That's why you have to walk away from religion if you're going to approach Yahweh. you have something you wanted to add to that, uh, Kirk? No, I just I, that's such a horrible line. I mean, and it's so true. I spent 15 years. I've tried to share things with people, and they just shut down. They just can't do it. No. I mean, even when they admit to you, you're probably right, but I just I can't do this because my mother's dead, and I she, I won't ever see her again. Uh, oh yeah. Morning. Oh yeah. So 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 and so just throw your life away too, then. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Just. Yeah. It is uh, overwhelming that uh, you can cite directly from the Torah to a religious individual, and they will reject the word of God. But look at God himself. I mean, we shouldn't be surprised. Yahweh, during the Exodus, told Moshe, listen, I'm going to speak directly to people. Grab them all together. I'm going to do this so that they know for certain that I am the one who is inspiring you. We're going to grab, get them all together, and we're going to, we're going to talk. And what did they say? No, 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 don't do that. We don't want to hear that big, booming voice. We don't want you peering down on us. Go away. That's where we are. Don't want to listen to God. Gets in the way of your religion, I guess. Well, that was a lot to process. But such is the essence of Yahweh's revelation through Hosha. Um, it's a it's a fire hose. The subject material is not appealing to God, and he is uh, pressed for time. So he's opening the floodgates of uh, instruction. He wants to elicit a different response, and he knows that that isn't going to happen, not for a very, very long time. Perhaps God is turning to the progressives to the Jewish environmentalists of our day. He may be chiding them for worshiping nature at the exclusion of the Creator. Or maybe this is nothing more than a swipe at the Christian Christmas tree. Or his people's affinity for worshiping Asherah with their groves of trees. 
my people question the trees and their branches, staffs, and walking sticks as if they're going to impart information and speak to them. Indeed, the spirit of religious infidelity has led them astray and caused them to wander away. And so they act like whores, religious prostitutes, in relation to a succession of their gods. That's Hosea 12, 4.12. Three divine attributes are actually displayed in the statement. God understands human nature. Nothing we do surprises him. Well, God, he has endured his people for uh, 4,000 years now, right? Mm-hmm. At the time, you know, Abraham, 4,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I pretty well got him down. Uh, the behavior hasn't changed much in 4,000 years. Uh, nothing we do surprises him. Unimpaired by time, he knows our past. And he sees how it relates to our present and future. He is bold and blunt when it comes to exposing deceptions. Now, that's the thing I, I don't think most people understand about Yeah, well, when he's speaking to a prophet like this. Mm-hmm. God is not predicting the future. He's not saying, you know, I, I've got a really good feeling about this, that if you continue this kind of behavior, this is where it's going to lead. It's not what he's saying at all. Well, it's true if you continue this kind of religious behavior. It's going to lead to exactly what you have experienced over the last 2,700 years. Even I could have predicted that. However, that's not how this works. Yahweh is very likely a seven-dimensional being. The universe is very likely six dimensions. Uh, And... We are a three-dimensional construct that is stuck in the ordinary progression or flow of time. For us, time marches like a river with us in it, and we can't go back in it to where it came, nor can we go ahead faster than it is flowing. Yahweh, however, as a spiritual being akin to light, has the opportunity of being able to go forward in time. He can even witness all time at any time. And because he can go forward in time, because time is highly maneuverable for a four-dimensional being, and, and light is liberated in time, because he can do that, he's not predicting the future. Yahweh has seen everything that is, that is meaningful, that's going to transpire pursuant to the health and well-being of his people, Yisrael and Yahudah, between today and his return in 2033, year 6,000 Yah. He's seen it all. And he has reported in our past, in writing, what he witnessed. That means that he's reporting future history. No mm-hmm. guessing. There's no predicting. He knows what's going to happen. And he's told us what's going to happen so that Two things are possible. We're prepared. If he's going to return, and he is, on Yom Kippurim in year 6,000 Yah, October 2nd, 2033, we can be ready. Mm -hmm. That's a real advantage. 
if he has told us that it's going to be hellish between now and then, and man's going to do everything he can to make life difficult, particularly for Jews, then we can be prepared. That is the advantage. But there's a bigger advantage by using prophecy and getting everything right. God proves that he inspired the prophetic writings of folks like Moshe in the Torah, like Dode in the Psalms, like Samuel in the book Bearing His Name, and Zachariah, and Malachi, Yermayah. These are all examples of prophets who proved that, that they were speaking for Yahweh by getting it all right. Trust them. So, religious cults have long worshipped nature the same way that progressives do today. The earth reveals its concerns to them as opposed to revealing God's nature. They actually think that they're responsible for the planet, that they can save the planet, that if they go off and protest something that is, uh, in their view, a threat to the environment, that they're being righteous. That's their definition of being holy and pure and light. The fact is we're just wearing pants that are way too big for our britches. <laughs> we're not going to change the outcome of this planet. We're just not. No. We have no effect on the sun. We have no effect on mega cycles of our orbit and axis and, and uh, solar flares and, and the light. We just don't have any influence over that. Mm-hmm. And if we turned 100% of our resources to trying to reduce this natural cycle of Carbon warming, emissions, yeah. we would have negligible effect and we would destroy all of our resources, consume all of our resources in the process where life for everyone would be miserable. And why not instead acquire the ultimate life assurance policy? Spend 1% of that time, 1% of that effort coming to know Yahweh, appreciating and acting upon the conditions of the covenant and benefiting from the gifts of the covenant. And it wouldn't matter if the earth heated up to a billion degrees. Your life is assured. Why are we focused on the trivial? Mortally afraid that they cannot defend their positions, progressives seek to control what they can say, write, or read. The left has unleashed a mighty horde of thought police, especially in social media and the Internet. Read this while you can while they will allow it, because they don't want you to know the truth. They only want you to, to know, believe, and act based upon what they think is important. You know, so many uh, people have recently have been progressives and left institutions like the Washington Post or the New York Times or some other uh, mm-hmm. very liberal political or, uh, or societal institution. They all say the same thing, that thought is is uh, monolithic. No derivation in it at all. And 
even if you are exceedingly liberal, but don't endorse everything that is exceedingly liberal, they will conduct a witch hunt. Yeah. Yeah. They will discredit you and throw you to the curb. There is no allowance for variation in thought. There's no room for evidence and reason. If you bring in and say, well, our conclusions are wrong, two plus two really is four, it's not one, they will drum you out of the core and humiliate you. Evidence and reason matter not to the progressive. The you saw the beating they were taking. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say you saw the beating they're taking in Germany uh, now, uh, the progressives and the Save the Planet people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Germans, you know, when they cut off the oil and the gas from the pipelines mm-hmm. in Russia, they mm-hmm. went. Oh, they in 200 days they dismissed everything and went back to coal. Right. And they refused to and shut what? down any of the uh, atomic plants. Right. And uh, now they're, they're going to be self-sufficient because uh, and we, by the, by the way, are supplying them tons. They built a pipeline to take the natural gas, you know, when you turn it into a liquid form, they can be piped. Right. And then, uh-huh. So they set all that up. I mean, in 200 days, they, they've absolutely become there. They'll be fine this winter without oh, yeah. the oil. The, oh, sure. The trouble... <laughs> And everybody's just going, well, you can't do that. I said, they, you know, they said, well, I'm going to cut up. You're cutting up the land. They said, well, there's nobody living there. We're going to dig up some of the coal, and we're going to fire up the things. We're not going to. They don't even let get human nature. Free, let you people cannot, freeze to death. Yeah. Although if we, if we just had decided that, that weaponizing Ukraine and making it part of NATO <laughs> yeah, really wasn't that, problem, that, yeah. that smart, in fact, it was stupid, we wouldn't have these problems. Uh-huh. That's right. Uh, we aren't that smart. No. The uh, the people who played the Cuban Missile Crisis crisis a long time ago were much more intelligent than today's politicians. Yeah. Now the religious are moved by a different spirit, ignorant of what Yahweh has revealed. They are readily misled, believing that they are pleasing God. He views them as a loving wife would perceive a prostitute chasing after their husband. If he succumbs to one, there will be more. And indeed, this was true of Israel, where one misguided adaptation of Judaism would lead to countless more. What God describes next uh, has to be seen in context. The subject of his ire is still singular, religion. At this point, they were more copycats than inventive. Israelites were unfortunately emulating the ways of the Goy. It reads, and this is a continuation of Hosha 4, On the hilltops and summits they offer sacrifices, that upon the hills they join in, are bound together to blow smoke under the prominent trees like red oaks and white poplars with any large tree serving as an inappropriate goddess because her shadow, the object blocking the light in lesser dimensions, is perceived as pleasant, desirable, and beneficial. Therefore, your daughters are acting like religious prostitutes and disingenuous whores. And your brides 
are unfaithful and adulterous. I will not take this into account and record it against your daughters. When they are acting like religious prostitutes and disingenuous whores who are pretending to be adoring for money, nor against your brides when they are unfaithful lovers cheating on the relationship. This is because they themselves are cavorting with religious prostitutes. They're doing themselves in, in other words. I don't have to intervene. They've already done this to themselves. Mm-hmm. They are with the cult and temple prostitutes, and they offer sacrifices, slaughtering animal as people devoid of understanding, which is ruinous. It's debilitating. It's thrusting them away. Yeah, I, got that. I, don't, I don't need to judge you. You've, you've done a really good job For yourself. of condemning yourself. You, know, yeah. you don't have to be a, uh, a rocket scientist to know the Herodim are wrong. Yeah, look at them. It's just, what a miserable life. No in, inventiveness. No love. No contribution to society. Right. No growth. No enlightenment. Just a billion rules. You can't do this and you can't do that. Like a mushroom living in the mud. And the worst of that, (laughs) shut up in the dark. What a horrible life. And of course, the only way they can keep people being ultra-religious is to attack them when they leave so that others will be dissuaded. Yeah. Now, this prior statement, it was Hosea 414, affirms one of the many insights that we can derive from the, uh, the garden. While Chawa was misled by Satan's misappropriation of Yahweh's testimony, the reason she was receptible, uh, susceptible is that mm-hmm. Adam was derelict. He neglected their relationship. And he did not teach his wife what he had learned from Yahweh, at least to the extent needed to rebuff Satan's miscasting of God's message. Now, to be sure, Chawa went rogue. She wanted to be a goddess. She was carried away by her animosity towards Yahweh and Adam outside of the garden, harboring it for a long time. But none of this would have happened had Adam contributed more to the relationship and spent more time talking with his wife. Wow. He's responsible. Yeah. And in this case, the woman... We're as religious and unfaithful as were the men. And their marriages, as God is condemning Israel, are as broken as the covenant. But they were in it together with the men setting the poor example that the women followed. When uh, there was a, a person who uh, who wrote, I think there's called the Women of the Wall, it's a... It's a uh, a religious organization that tr- tries to give um, 
progressive uh, women and uh, and reform uh, women, not that they represent any significant part of Israel, but uh, non-ultra-Orthodox women access to the wall. And of course, rabbis don't want women anywhere near the men or near the wall. And who knows why they even revered the damn wall. I mean, Hadrian built this wall. He was a scumbag. <laughs> it's the wall for crying out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's as stupid as me going to a fence around my property and banging my head against it. Oh, wall of walls. Can I pray to you, oh, wall? <laughs> oh, let me keep uh, my wife away from the wall because, well, this is a men's wall. I want to wear my black hat to the wall. Oh, my. Come on. I mean, it's just stupid. It's the wall. You don't even want to go up to the Temple Mount because you've created a religion to ignore what occurred there. I'm not sure you could muscle yourself up the stairs because you're so feeble and don't do any work. But here we are and we've got these, uh, these idiots making all the exclusions of only they can have access to the wall, and only they represent Judaism, and only they represent what it is to be a Jew, and all others must be condemned and kept away from the holy of holies that is the wall. So this woman was writing and saying that half of the Haredim are women who have no rights. What's wrong with them? Why are they sacrificing their rights? That's what God's saying here. The women are as into this as Deep as are the men. If it, the women weren't into it, the men wouldn't be into it. It would all go away. And of course, the rebuttal of all the little trolls that that uh, cry, that how could you criticize our religion? We're speaking for God. We're the ones who are Torah observers. <laughs> they say, oh, no, these uh, the Haredi women are happy to have to wear tents. No, the Haredi women are happy not to have any rights. No, they're... They're living fulfilled lives to be used as nothing but baby factories. They're happy with us waking up each day and proclaiming, thank God I'm not a woman. What a thrill for them. Yeah, Muslim women are thrilled, too, to be wearing the hijab, be treated like crap. Oh, that is the world that we have created. That is the consequence of religion. But religious women are deep into it. I remember back in the days that I was defending Prophet of Doom, and I received more mm-hmm. letters of hate from women than men. Right. I believe that. <laughs> the marriages of these women were as broken as the covenant. They were all in it together with men setting the poor example that the women followed. Now, this may sound if it's as if it's deja vu all over again, but clearly God does not want us to miss the message. Religion is whorish, according to Iowa. It's a form of prostitution where Devotion is feigned for a false sense of security and for money. Further, as has been the case from the beginning, 
na'af adultery, metaphor to denounce being unfaithful and disingenuous to God. It has nothing to do with having an affair while married or having more than one spouse. Yahweh puts on a show, or I should say Satan puts on a show. Yahweh never does. Mm. For a token of their appreciation, religion had sex appeal. Truth be known, most every religion exists to give men power over women. That's certainly how Islam was formed. If it hadn't been for Muhammad said, saying that uh, men, you get to control women. They have no rights. You can beat them, feed them, keep them naked. Whatever you wish to do, you own them. And oh, by the way, every time we go to, to battle as uh, jihadist terrorists, the women are uh, yours to rape. That was very appealing to these thugs. And if it wasn't for that, Islam would not exist. And what did Paul do? Oh, man, you can lord over your wives. Perfect. What do they do in Judaism? Same thing. Keep them silent. Correct. Women cannot even get a divorce in Judaism. You know that? If a woman wants Mm -hmm. to divorce a Jewish man, she has no rights. To get what's called a get, she has to give her get her husband's release, and the husband's release before a rabbi is all that matters. There are tens of thousands, probably hundreds of thousands of Jewish women who are kept hostage by abusive men because rabbis have given men 100% control over women such that a woman can't even get a divorce. They can't even escape. That was view in the Torah. You want a divorce? Write them a letter. Yeah. Go. Don't be miserable. Don't make the other person miserable. Simply leave. Well, I tried that with my ex. That worked out better for me than it did for her. But I can tell you one thing. If you're willing to go and, and talk to the... Uh, the individual and say these are the reasons that we've talked about for some time that are causing me to leave where I recognize there is no hope for this relationship going forward. We're all both going to be better off with that. And you follow that up with a well-written letter conveying that same information so that it can be processed and dissected and remembered. It is a vastly better way to communicate than words alone, and somebody said, he said, she said, this is how I interpret it. That combination is exceedingly powerful, and that is the power of the Torah. Get the book. Mm-hmm. were all speeches, and yet we have this written record that we can go back and analyze and, and ponder every single letter that comprises every single word of God's message. This program, we do it for an hour and a half uh, once a week, but yet I spend 10 hours a day, seven days a week, contributing along with our team to the written word. Written word is vastly more powerful. We're doing this program on HOSHA in hopes that those who are listening go to yadayad.com and read. Yes. Pick up the, uh, the book. It's called Separation. It is volume eight 
of the Yada Yada series. Pick it up. It has a picture of uh, Jews forced to into slavery, holding their menorah um, on um, Hadrian's Arch, which set before the Colosseum, which the Romans built by plundering the wealth of the temple and using Jew- Jewish slaves that the most glorious building on earth was turned into the most sinister and evil. Thought versus man's way. But read it. You know, the Torah is written. It exists for you to observe. These books are written. And they are the basis of this program. And the written word is so more more effective Mm -hmm. when it comes to prophecy. God can memorialize a statement that he's made about our future 3,000 years, and we can find written confirmation confirming that he said those very things long before the fulfillment. The marvelous mm-hmm. tool. May I ask, sure. why, why is there such a disconnect between Israel becomes a state in 1948. In 1947, they discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls. Mm-hmm. These are translations from the Dead Sea Scrolls, the oldest stuff that we have, uh, and way beyond anything that's before and in, in, before the vowel pointing, before all the messing with, uh, with right. and that that that's is that not a they really think that's a coincidence or they just dismiss it? I mean, we can see exactly what Yahweh was saying. Um, yes, as close to you you're going to get because it is a translation yeah. of the oldest uh, surviving yeah. text. But mostly, the the difference here is that we will take every word. And mm-hmm. we will strip oh, yeah. it of the diacritical markings that were created in the 11th century CE uh, by rabbis with an agenda. And we'll go back to what were the actual letters and what, oh, were, yeah, what words can oh, be yeah, formed yeah. with those letters that are pertinent mm-hmm. in this particular statement and render them in a way that's not only consistent with the message of that statement, but overall consistent with Yahweh's message. And so every single word is stripped of the diacritical markings. We present it phonetically as it would sound in Hebrew in the uh, genitive form within the translation Mm -hmm. itself. So particularly if you're reading the book online, you can use a copy and paste mechanism into your favorite web search tool and you can verify the translation yourself. And you can verify every word in every translation until you've done it a thousand times. And after yes. a while, you say, well, I've done this now a thousand times. Uh, yeah. And every yeah, one of these translations, yeah, that's what the word means. Maybe, yeah. maybe my time's going to be best spent now going forward reading what this says. Because obviously, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm not being misled here. And I have the ability to validate it myself. Correct. And read Yahweh's name as it was written. Yeah. And, you know, learn, learn all the tools that you have in, uh, in Hebrew. The, these marvelous relational stems. Uh, the conjugations about ongoing and completed uh, activities. The moods, particularly volition. The fact that mm-hmm. yeah. this language that the Torah and prophets was revealed in didn't have tenses. It was not stuck in time because it was shared by a dimension yes. 
who could maneuver in time. And so every statement was, is, and forever will be true. Yeah, spectral uh, verbs. Listen, yeah, not yeah Hebrew time. grammar yeah. is very much like light. It simply is. It's not timeless, it's timeful. And so it's just this marvelous language where Yahweh has so many words to describe the things that are important. Now you look at, at uh, Yahweh, while he has one name, he has so many names for man. You know, Ish and Isha, uh, female and male individual. You know, Adam, uh, human. Sign of Adam. Yeah, human. Yeah. Enosh, mortal. It, it goes on and on. Gerber, uh, strong man. Man with, with backbone and character. Strength. Bashar, firstborn. Zakar, uh, a person who remembers. It goes on and on. You know, it was, has many terms for these kinds of, uh, of things because it's important to, to know these distinctions. You know, in some places, you know, we're, uh, we, we're rather impoverished with words. Uh, my wife and Dee have been uh, going at it with, um, you know, what is the extent of uh, spiritual beings? Um, I wouldn't say going uh, at it, but yeah. Yeah, yeah but you know, uh, well, uh, trying yeah, to, trying, well, going at it is a, is a uh, it's a, well, yeah. I don't know why going at it is not a pejorative, it's not a pejorative sure. at all. It, uh, it's, uh, yeah, um, you know, my wife has uh, a view, uh, Dee has a view, and they're, they're trying to uh, ascertain what we can know on a subject that we're not given much information. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, was speaks of a Saba, which is typically translated host, but it's a uh, command and control regime of, of, uh, of spiritual implements spiritual beings. that does yeah. what Yahweh wants done. And among the yeah. Saba, there appear to be, uh, or the Saba, the ranks of the Saba appear to be uh, comprised of the only term that Yahweh uses to describe them, which is Balak, spiritual messengers, heavenly envoys. And then he mentions uh, uh, a variation of what I think is the Malacca Kerubim, uh, which um, flank the sides of the Ark of the Covenant, and they, they're shown uh, uh, depicted in the uh, tent of the, uh, of the witness. Um, and they were the guardians of, uh, of Eden. And so, yep. he, uh, so he has the Kerubim, and... You know, they, they seem to be protective Malak. But, you know, he doesn't call them so, but, you know, the, they seem to have the same kind of abilities, the spiritual beings. And they seem mm-hmm. to all be part of what's called the, uh, the Saba, this uh, uh, command and control regimen, which is an important concept because it appears that these, these spiritual beings do not have free will that they're created to do a job. And it appears that they're eternal by all we can learn and that since they can't be destroyed, Sheol was invented for them, which is akin to a black hole where, where their light, light goes and is trapped mm-hmm. forever. 
So there's some insights we're given. And, of course, the, the most famous of all spirits, other than, of course, Yahweh, the set-apart spirit, the Ruach Kodesh, uh, mm-hmm. is Hasatan. Never says that Hasatan is a Malak, but, you know, we're not given a lot of choices here. Um, and so, you know, why, we know he uh, lives forever. He was active in the garden 6,000 years ago. So he's not an ordinary dude by any stretch of the magic. He was in heaven and kicked out. He wants, he's, he's uh, clearly comprised of the same substance in the sense of an energy-based light being that can endure through time uh, as Yahweh because he's capable of being perceived as God by the religious. Not, not very hard to fool yeah. the religious, but nonetheless, he has that capability. <laughs> no. Now, Having translated Ezekiel these last two months, I can tell you it's a dunderhead. He is no one to fear because he's not very smart. He's a lousy communicator. And he doesn't play poker with a damn. He he will just lay it all out and say, you know, yeah, I was in Eden, I did it. I did it, it was me. Uh, and, yeah, I'm ruthless, I'm sadistic. Uh, i got 25 ways to kill a Jew. I am who I am. Um, but that's an example of we're not given a lot of information. And one of the reasons I think we're not given a lot of information is what are we going to do with it? Yeah. I'm not capable of being a Malak. I'm certainly capable of benefiting from them. I provide perfection services. The spirits of Yahweh are capable of enlightening us benefit from them, delighted uh, to uh, to be protected and enlightened by and empowered by the Ruach Kodesh, our spiritual mother. Realize that Yahweh is a spiritual being. But we're not told a lot because, well, I'm going to tell you that this whole concept of existing beyond the three dimensions of of geometric space that we are familiar with Blows our mind. I mean, God communicates who he is in very simple terms. Satan proves who he is in very certain t- terms. And 99% of the people confuse one for another. How in the heck are we going to understand what it's like to be a spiritual being akin to light? can't in this room. We just can't. We're not given a lot of information. We don't need it. We can't process it. But we know a lot about humankind, and so there's like 12 words for man and, and woman. Every aspect, yeah. Yeah, including brother and sister and... and, uh, and mother, father, and child. Yeah. Mother, yeah, mother and father. You know, these are human terms and variations of, of names for humankind and how we humans differ from uh, animals, which isn't uh, all that significant. Well, it's very significant, but not substantial. The only difference is really we were given an asama, a conscience. And we were designed designed to be upright uh, so that we could walk without groveling and and be able to use our hands and be given opposable thumbs so that we can write and use tools. We're given the most 
the largest brains for our body size so we could think and understand. And uh, then we were uh, a, born into a, a situation where as babies, we are totally dependent on our father and mother for protection and for nurturing. And so we have this opportunity to raise our children as God perceives the covenant family. We need shelter. We don't do well without it. That's why God provides a covenant home. Um, the way that we mate and, and conceive children and sensuality and romance and love are all designed to reflect aspects of the covenant. And we've talked about it on this show. What is the symbol of the covenant? And you can say circumcision, what is left after you've tossed away that uh, tiny bit of undescribed skin? And that bright pole. <laughs> Yeah, a bright ball. Um, uh, a male member. Been reading that stuff. And, and for the boys. It says a that God is is does not have all the sexual hangups that we people and have we because of our stupid religions, and that yeah. the uh, the place where men and women become one and conceive children to raise them as part of a loving family is uh, is celebrated. They the very point of, uh, of, uh, of our union when we're loving one another is celebrated. Right. In a clean way. You know, covenant is, uh, is a feminine term, meaning family. The sign of the covenant is the male member. So God's, uh, God celebrates it, and so should we. There's, there's just so many insights that are useful that we, we just trash because of religious stupidity. We, Religion, put, yeah. where we put women in tents rather than celebrating their beauty. You know, we, we make uh, sex uh, taboo, so we get it all screwed up. I mean, why do you think there's this tragedy that uh, happened in this young girl's life? Why do you think men rape women? Do you think that if we had um, reasonable, loving, uh, sexual values and expressions that men would find it somehow necessary to hurt a woman in that way? And that they would trade the, the, same reason, the, you know? the love and the joy of, of a, a sexual union where you're with somebody that you genuinely love being with or causing pain, hurting and degrading someone? I don't think so. You know, do you think that Islam would exist with its men dominating women if um, people had a, a healthy appreciation of the contribution of men and women in the creation of a family and loving home? No. No, I don't think so. Mm-mm. So, anyway, we've reached the end of our uh, our program for uh, tonight. Um, uh, the book of Hosha just gives us so many marvelous things to think about and to share and to know and to be enlightened by, to be guided by, and reasons that we should celebrate our relationship with Yahweh and his devotion to his family and his frustration with religion. Uh, that it's hard to uh, speak about Hosha without uh, 
sharing all the way that it influences our lives. It's become one of my favorites. Yeah, it you got eight more great chapters. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting too that um, twenty-two uh-huh. years ago, on Tarua, when uh, this I'm all began, the uh, Freya first book I uh, translated was Hosha. Now I've retranslated it eight times <laughs> over the years, but <laughs> even even the feeble attempts to do it the heart of it was there. years ago. They were still yeah. became what I think was the most accurate and complete translation of the book of Hosha. And, of course, it's been improved eight times. But uh, just having an open mind and a real desire to know what the words say was such a refreshing change. The book has transformed many people's lives, and it will transform more and more people's lives. This is the, the book that is most responsible for correctly labeling Judaism as the single biggest enemy of God's people. And yet it does not leave them it does not leave them estranged though. It leads to reconciliation. Yeah. Go ahead, Kirk. Get a point. No, I was just saying that Hosha four six has been on my desk since I since I first started reading Yashiya. Yeah, fifteen years ago. I mean, yeah, it's, there. it's still one of our uh, it, old it, it, favorites. My people are destroyed for lack of knowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly what he's talking about later. Yeah, where, 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 yeah. It doesn't say my people later. are destroyed because they are, are aren't religious. It doesn't say my people are destroyed for lack of faith. It doesn't say my people don't are bow destroyed down and worship me. because no. they don't observe the uh, Shabbat with a thousand rules. It doesn't say that my people are destroyed because they're not bowing down and praying to me and, uh, or praying to a, a stone wall. It, it doesn't say that my people are destroyed because they're they're not wearing their curly cues or black hats or morning suits. Doesn't say my people are destroyed because they're not paying the rabbis enough money. No. No. It says my people are destroyed because they're stupid. That's what it says. <laughs> my people are destroyed because they're ignorant and irrational. Can't, can't read, you dummy. Yeah. <laughs> Most people in the world I've given the them the information form. to be really smart and to know the answer, and it is an open book test, and they don't give yeah. a crap. Go, That's what go it open does. the book. So open the book. Open the right book. Yeah. Uh, my people are destroyed because they're stupid. <laughs> what well, it says. Say, say 4,000 pages. Yeah. And then it goes on. Well, I like, say, I like your version, you, too. You have neglected <laughs> the Torah teaching and guidance of your God. I'm going to avoid your children. I'm a dad. Oh, it's a covenant family. <laughs> if you're not going to raise your children under the guidance of that family, then your children aren't going to be part of my family, and you, for crying out loud, are not going to serve me as priests. You're not going to serve me as rabbis. You mm. aren't going to serve me, period. It's going to get so bad that I'm going to have to call a goyim right. to get this message across to you. Yeah, Hosha 4.6, paraphrased. Yeah. And by the way, paraphrasing the Torah, fully acceptable thing to do. 
What do you yeah. think the book of Most Body Amos? No, it's Moshe. the book of Body Amos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, yeah, it's Moshe's so let me tell you what it, what paraphrase it, what and, and, uh, and expose, his explanation of, his commentary of Torah. This is what God said. This is what it means. Well, he's more articulate and brighter and was inspired as a prophet. There really is very little difference between Hosha's Dabadim and the Yadayah series. Hosha began, God said this, this is what it means, this is how it applies to your life. The 26 volumes of Yadayah are all the same. This is what God said, this is what it means, this is how it applies to your life. There's no difference. Message is the same. The source providing the message is the same. The requirements are the same. The benefits are the same. The process that you use to capitalize on it is the same. The language is the same. It's all the same. But it isn't the same if you uh, choose to call your Talmud a Torah. It isn't the same if you choose to call your God Hashem or G-D or Jesus Christ or Allah. It isn't the same if you're reading from a Christian New Testament. It isn't the same if you're going to treat women and Jews in a derogatory manner because of what is revealed in Ezekiel. It isn't the same if you don't know that Dod is the Son of God and the Messiah. It isn't the same unless you understand why Yahweh picked Moshe. Why God begged him to go with him. Why Yahweh didn't go alone. And why that 80-year-old broken-down shepherd was the only person on the planet that God could have succeeded in accomplishing that mission. Only one? Why? If you don't know the answers to those questions, if you don't even know you should be asking those questions, you are light years away from Yahweh. It's resolvable. Kick your religion to the, the, out the door. Stop being political. Open your mind. Devote the time. And begin. Introduction to God, Volume 1. Don't stop reading until you've made it all the way through the series, every book on that shelf. Yadayah.com. Pull them all down. When you're done, you'll know Yahweh. When you're done, you'll be part of the covenant. When you're done, you'll live forever. When you're done, you'll be enriched and empowered. You'll be adopted. You'll be perfected. You'll be liberated. You'll be as happy and as satisfied and as excited about tomorrow as we are. Well, that brings us to the end of our program, and uh, I thank you uh, all for, for listening. I thank you, uh, Dee and, and uh, Kirk, for participating. I wish everyone a wonderful Shabbat. Look forward to being with you this time next week, and we'll continue with uh, our mutual friend, Hosha, as if uh, he were right here in the room with us, sharing a message that is even more pertinent today than it was 2,700 years ago. 
Good night, and may Yah bless. Yeah, Shabbat Shalom, y'all. Thanks.